calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome back to EXPN, The Experience. Bringing you LUQ news from the satellite city of Zenith. I'm Warren Rustborough. And I'm Dirk Bradley. I have a question, Rust. I believe you. You ever see the sky open up and try to eat an entire town? I haven't. Well, I mean, I have now. But I would have said no if you'd asked me that yesterday. Because I hadn't seen that yet. I assume you're referring to the quest novice-ranked Team Gold Dragon is currently engaged in on the colony world of Row K-43? Well, yeah, duh. I haven't seen anything lap that hungrily and violently since I saw that dog with his head stuck in a mayonnaise jar. It was all tongue and no cheek. And having rescued several colonists from the impending grip of this unknown betentacled cloud beast, or as I would call it, Zephalopod, the team now gears up for some kind of unknown ritual. Truly, that skymouth puts the calamity in calamari. That's not how... But hey, at least the dragons didn't accidentally anger the natives. Some planes have weird rules, like that time we got kicked out of Lambda B-12 for trying to order a glass of milk. Ah, yes. Fond memories. You see, Dirk, the mother's milk is sacred to some cultures, and the idea of asking to drink some, especially from another species as an adult, can be quite the taboo. Or in this case, outlaw. Ah, well, more mood juice for yours truly. I weep for the freshly baked cookies of the Lambda Cluster. We too may weep as we witness what is about to unfold as Gold Dragon races against the clock to aid the subterranean inhabitants of this world in their courageous ceremony. These bats are about to go bat in this bat battle and be better before you can bat an eye. I couldn't have said it better myself. Stay tuned. You find yourselves in a warren of unlit caves, home of the Vries, subterranean bat-like people, and only native survivors of the dark god in the skies. You have rested, briefly, in the wake of the recent attack on the colony of Ro K-43, known to the native inhabitants as Kohesh. Iavos is going to take his trusted lantern from his hip and create light for the refugees and the runaway colony folk. As the lantern blooms to light, you see dozens of colonists huddled and terrified. Many of them shriek and cower away from the Vries. But the natives of this land seem more than welcoming. They pass around small plates of what look like leaves with grains that have been steamed inside, uh, along with small portions of meat. The food is delicious, if lacking in salt, and it is a welcome reprieve from the day's work. Who amongst the colonists do we recognize? Any of the ones we talk to? It takes a while of wandering through some of these warrens before you finally run across uh, Shahaska. Did he seem to be kind of in a position of leadership? He's the foreman of the colony. We should talk with him. We must speak. I don't know what about. That thing, obviously, that came from the clouds. They told us that the low cloud cover was something to do with the ocean and mountains. We spoke with the leader of these creatures, and they believe that your presence on the surface angered this sort of sky god, and it began destroying your colony. That's what took your missing people. That is also what took the previous inhabitants of the surface. We knew it had to be something. We just didn't think it was going to be something like that. The tools that were stolen from you are being used in a ritual that they say will banish this creature. 
They were intending to just purge the surface of all life. But we convinced them to give you safety in their warrens as the ritual takes hold, and we have offered to help them in exchange for this. I refuse. We will fight, not stand idly by while the natives of this place do their work. Are all of you fighters? No. Some will have to remain behind, but I'll fight with you. Um, very well. I, from what it sounds like, uh, defending him while he does his magic will be quite dangerous. I'm sure extra defenders wouldn't be amiss. Good. But you look like someone who has already made peace with the fact that colonizing is dangerous work. It was a bad call. I see that now. Just occupational hazard. Once the ritual is done, it is entirely possible that you can live at peace with these subterranean creatures. We'll see. I'm sure they'd be happy to have your help. They feared that the people who lived at the surface before you were masters that tried to enslave them. I will have a talk with their leader once this is done. Then if you can, talk to any other colonists that are willing to die fighting for this land. Many of them will. He stands and begins whispering to them, trying to find willing fighters. Skia approaches you. Are you ready to fight? Yes, as are some of the surface dwellers willing to lend their metal to your cause. He looks at them. There are many people. Some can fight. Do they have... He closes his fist, looking for the word. Unity. They are hardened people. And they understand that working together is the only way they are going to survive. Not desperation. Unity. They need unity. Discipline. We follow Kohesh. He pounds the earth beneath him. What do they follow other than themselves? They follow heroic examples. Looks over at Hal. We make our way now. There is no more time. Lead the way. Shahaska was able to acquire about five other warriors, and it looks like there's a total of about six Vries warriors who are willing to fight with you. Those of you ready to fight begin making your way through the Warrens. Eventually, you come out of a small crack in the side of the mountain. Even the dim light filtered through the mist of the clouds above you is enough to cause you blinking for a moment. But you right yourselves. Down the village, you can see... Dozens of the tentacles, searching every building, trying to find more morsels. Seeing this horrible death before him, Iavos pictures the face of his third sibling and mutters a prayer for false life. Mm. Cool. What did you get? Uh, that is seven temporary points. Your magic is strong. We will need it. How long does this ritual take? As long as it takes. We will need power, as much power as you can spare. I understand. When the devices are activated, you will need to give as much as you can, both of you. He steps from the crack and begins walking up a narrow, winding path towards the summit of the mountain. The others follow. Us as well. The rock is a blue stone, dark and jagged. At some places, the path grows thin and difficult to traverse but you find your way to the top. As you crest the summit, you see a wide, flat space, and it is filled with great carved stone, four pillars and four archways with lintel stones laid up top, like a henge. In the center of the circle is a large, flat slab of stone, stained heavily with blood. This is where they performed their rituals. They made love before their sky god, and sacrificed our kind. We will use this place of power to end it. He steps forward, along with several of his Vries warriors. They are bearing what looks like odd metal devices, leaves and sheets of metal that have been welded to a central pillar. They don't seem to have any mechanical or arcane significance beyond whatever they believe there is. But as they set them up and finish a five-pointed star... You can feel a faint resonance coming from the earth. Skia touches the slab. This is where you put your magic. Channel it into me, and I will channel it into Clash. Penelope will lay down the palm of her hand. Uh, I almost puts his hand on top of Penelope's. 
Gaspar is going to take the skull of the great uncle out and ask Skia, is this magic going to be helpful? He spits through his teeth. It is poison. That's what I thought. Stows away the skull again. <laughs> when we begin, there will be many deaths. Is any of that preventable? Is it? Heroes, we will do our best. Then waste no more time. He places his hands upon the stone and begins to let out what sounds like a high-pitched whine, high enough that you almost can't hear it, a dog whistle. It begins to raise higher and higher, almost hurting your ears, and then almost as quickly as it started, it drops down to a deep, low register. That low register begins to resonate through the mountain itself. The devices placed in that five-point position begin to vibrate with that sound. And the metal begins to spin around the central pillars. As though in response, a rumble like thunder rips through the sky. A powerful wind whips up all around you. Yet it does not push in from the east or west or north or south. Instead, it pulls upwards as the cosmos begins to breathe. The clouds thin as they are pulled into great vacuous lungs, revealing not the sun and the sky of this plane, but an ocean of flesh reaching beyond the horizon. Hundreds of maws gnash ring after ring of jagged teeth. Pulsing apertures spray heavy mists, revealing the true nature of the precipitation of this vile place. But at the center of it all, where the sun should be on this bright noonday, is a great immeasurable eye of flame with its rectangular pupil locked on your ritual circle. Everyone roll for initiative. All of my good rolls have uh, already run themselves out of my dice today. Yep. Immediately, as the clouds clear from the sky... Tentacles of all shapes and sizes begin to pour from the open mouths that hang above you, ominously. From what you can tell, there are four distinct types. Tentacles with mouths designed to spit. Tentacles that have razor-sharp claws at the end. Tentacles that are simply there for grabbing. And two great and terrible tentacles, far larger than the others, with blades on them. The largest tentacles seem to hover above you, waiting to see how you react to the smaller ones. And the initiative order begins with Iavos' Adora. Iavos bolsters himself in the sight of this wicked, cruel sky god, something that's feasting on innocent people and trying to ruin this foreign land. But their new ally, Skia, has asked to have magic given to him to help with this ritual, to fend off and banish this wicked god. So Iavos is going to pull from his new well of magic, stronger now than he was before, and feed a second level spell slot into the uh, creature's back through Penny's hand. Perfect. And then what? With my remaining time in the turn, I am going to channel a little more of my clerical magic and cast Bless on my three party members. So the three of you have an extra D4 you can add on all saving throws and attack rolls. D4 at the ready. I like it. And that makes it Gaspar's turn. Gaspar is going to attempt to hide from the eye in the sky by going under one of the henges. Mm -hmm. An attempt to make a stealth check. Okay. That is a 13 plus 7. Okay, good to know. And then there is a large grabbing tentacle that is getting a little too close to Iavos for Gaspar's liking. So he is then going to aim his crossbow up towards that grabbing tentacle. And fire. All right. That works for me. Go ahead and roll an attack for me. Am I benefiting from stealth? Let me go ahead and do something here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'll say your first attack will we'll get advantage. Cool. All right. First roll is a two. Mm. Uh, with advantage, that is a 14 to hit. Excellent. Yeah, that definitely hits. Lovely. I'm going to now roll 2d6 for my sneak attack. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. That is 11 points of damage. I see. So 
The crossbow bolt hurls through the air and finds home right in a key point inside of this tentacle. Immediately, the impact causes a burst of blood, and you see that the tip of the tentacle begins to shrivel, and then the whole tentacle pulls itself up into the sky. Yeah. Ah, look. It remembers me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And then that makes it Halifon's turn. Cool. Hal's going to do a combat roll next to the tentacle, and the his eyes and tattoos are just going to flare, blazing with heat, and the heat distortion coming off of his back will form the vague outline of wings as Hal activates his third-level radiant consumption ability. Mm. And then as a bonus action, I will also rage. I like it. At the end of my turn, the tentacle, which is currently the only creature within 10 feet of me, takes one point of radiant damage. <sighs> yeah, half my level. I love it. Radiant Slow damage? Burn. Radiant damage. Thank you. That is important to note. You burst with rage and fire emanating this radiant damage, and the tentacle doesn't even notice. The radiant hmm. energy seems to just pass through it. It's a god thing. That's a bummer, because I also take radiant damage from this ability. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. As the, as the radiant damage just washes over this thing harmlessly, Hal will glare at it and just, it's fine. I can hit you in other ways and not think to tell anyone else in the party about this because Hal's in the zone. He's not thinking about anybody else right now. I like that. Battle focus. And that makes it one of the spitters turns. <laughs> the two spitter tentacles pull back just enough, just enough, so that when they spray their acid in a 15-foot cone, they manage to hit two different groups of warriors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic. Kidding me. Not a single roll above 10 on those saves, by the way. <laughs> Lovely. We chose some bunk allies. <laughs> <laughs> a gout of acid belches forth from the mouths of the spitters, dowsing two Vries, as well as Hajuska and Shakesh. They all take seven damage. Yikes. That moves on to Penny's turn. Penny's expression is one of steely determination. First, I would like to pass a spell slot to Skia. Excellent. And what level? Uh, one. Oh, right, because you're a bard and yeah. warlock. Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of a lot of singles. That's okay. And then with Penny's main action, she's going to plant her hooves on the stone in front of her, and in the next second, using mirthful leaps, she is sailing through the air. Like nice. a dancer. I like it. She is a picture of athleticism and grace. And while airborne, she slashes at the tentacle uh, in front of Hal. Okay. Go ahead and give me them rolls. That is a 22 with our shifos. Perfect. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, training's paying off. <laughs> that is f not great damage. It's five points of damage. Okay. She's still working on it. She's still working on it. Still in mm -hmm. progress. Yeah. Still a short sword. Still good, still good. The spell slot, is that a free action? Yes. Okay, so with her bonus action, as she comes down and lands kind of near Halophon, she begins rhythmically banging her shield with her sword, granting him inspiration. I like it. You are inspired and blessed. Nice. And that moves us to the stabbers. Hal is a beacon of light right now, by the way. I shed bright light in 10 feet and dim in an additional 10. Good to know. All right. One of the stabbers unleashes its two attacks on one of the Vries, eviscerating him, dropping him to the ground as his bowels spill out over the floor. The other one manages to take a significant amount of damage but holds his own against the stabber. They're killing our bad friends. Mm-hmm. The remaining feeder reaches out and tries to grab the glowing thing. They all just have the grossest names. Yeah. This is coming from Fleshy Beach. <laughs> it gets a natural 20. That isn't great. Is that a attack roll or a grapple check? That is a constrict. Okay. If it succeeds on the constrict, then it grapples you. Yep. Yeah, well, I'd say I'm grappled then. Yeah. <laughs> As the tentacle wraps out like a snake striking, it wraps around you, and you can feel it crushing in on you. The pressure is intense, winding you heavily. You take one point of damage and immediately feel yourself starting to get pulled into the sky. All right. And that brings us back to the top of the initiative with Iavos. It me. Iavos is keeping his eye on the battlefield and his allies as all of this hell is raining down on us. And he sees Hal getting lifted up into the air. And Hal is just 
blasting out radiant energy like a like a lantern do i notice that it doesn't seem to be harming the tentacle now that you're paying attention to him yes you can tell that the radiant damage does nothing i'm not much of a gambling man but it's time to take a risk child the third open a door to the world of death and holding his rusty nail towards the heavens as though it's piercing upward into the eye he casts a bolt of darkness using his new spell secret ability, turning his magic missile of second level into necrotic energy and raining down on the four surrounding tentacles encircling his allies. Excellent. Go ahead and roll me damage and double it. Ooh, they are vulnerable to necrotic energy. Yeah. The gamble pays off. Good read. It's a god. Right. (laughs) Nom nom. I mean, it's I as a son, you know. Um, so I'm going to start with the one closest to Michael and just go clockwise. There you go. It's fine. Your brother is a son. Eight damage. Spitter one takes eight, you said? Eight. Okay. Okay. Stabber one takes? Ten. Ten. Good. Eight. Okay. Stabber two takes eight. This is already doubled. Yeah. And ten. And ten on Spitter your magic missiles are so good. All threes and fours, baby. Baby. Okay. As the rotting necrotic energy finds home, the soft, supple flesh of the tentacles begins to rot with it, dissolving. None of them die, but all of them are hanging by a thread. And running low on his reserves, Iavos continues channeling a first-level spell into the shaman's back. Fantastic. Guess who's almost out of shit? <laughs> And that moves us on to Gaspar's turn. Gaspar sees Hal being pulled up into the sky. The tentacle is still taut, carrying the weight upwards and is dangling straight down. So he is going to climb up the stone henge, leap off of it, and drive his saber into the tentacle, attempting to split it in half, freeing Hal. If you get me a successful acrobatics check, I'll say you can get advantage on that. Ooh, boy, I'll try. That is a 10. Total? 10 total. Oof. Fortunately, with the amount of movement you're doing, that's not going to do it. You do manage to get up, but you don't manage to get quite high enough to give yourself the advantage. All right. Sounds good. Way slipperier than they look. (laughs) So roll me the attack. You'd expect tentacles to be slippery. That is an 11 and plus one for bless. That hits. That is so fortunate. Lucky, if you will. May I assume that I still get sneak attack because it is five feet from an ally? Yeah. Roll. Okay. Big numbers. That is another 11 points. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I am going to use my phantom rogue feature, Wails from the Grave. Okay. So as I am driving my saber down the tentacle, the pain I am causing... This god, this creature is going to manifest into necrotic energy and the spirit of Nepet is going to materialize, take out the dagger from his heart and charge towards one of the spitter tentacles, dealing necrotic damage to the amount of six doubled equals 12. I like it. As you slash your saber through the tentacle's flesh, The blood sprays out and manifests as a spirit crawling through the air, pulling out its dagger and stabbing into the spitter, doing more than enough damage to cause the bulk of it to dissolve into rot, falling to the ground. Damn, blood stab. That's metal. Nepeth then dematerializes. I love it. And that brings us to Halifon's turn. How can you give me a quick acrobatics check to make sure you land on your feet and not on your ass? Sure. Five. I don't do it. Uh, you're going to start your round prone. Okay. That's you rolled right. ass. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not blessed for that. <laughs> I was like, am I? No. So I'm on the ground. I'll use half my movement to stand up, and then Hal's going to grab a javelin off his back and throw it at the remaining spitter tentacle then. I like it. Go ahead and roll it. Yeah. 13 to hit. Yeah, that hits. Cool. Five points of piercing damage to the spitter tentacle plus an additional three points of radiant that it ignores. Okay. Uh, and that spitter definitely dissolves. Good. Cool. So that's both spitters gone now. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. And then how's just going to stay where they are, and Penny takes a point of radiant damage from being too close to me. Okay. And that makes it Penelope's turn. Penny winces as Hal's aura bites into her. 
but she's getting used to the sensation of pain. And being proficient in playing the drums, she continues to beat her shield, as well as stamping her feet, creating a cascading sound that resounds off the mountainside like rolling thunder. A call to battle that grants Gaspar inspiration. Thank you. She's um, seeing no more tentacles in her immediate vicinity. She's going to go slide back across the rock and throw another uh, first level spell slot at our friend. Okay. And that makes it the stabber's turn. These dicks. All right. So, the stabber nearest Iavos moves in towards one of the colonists bearing a bow. The colonists effectively defends themselves by firing an arrow into it, dealing a considerable amount of damage. But the stabber manages to thrust through the heart of them and brings them low. The Vries that had been nobly defending themselves against the other stabber is also stabbed through the skull. It then shakes the body off as it tumbles down the other side of the mountain. Skia grips the stone and energy courses through his body. You feel a thunderous rumble through the ground and all of you can feel the earth shaking below you. Everybody, please roll me a dexterity save. Don't forget you're blessed. DC 12. Oh, yeah, it's a saving throw. I am not and I am old. Because of bless, that's a 13 instead of an 11. Clutch. Everybody except Hajuska and Shakesh fall to the ground trying to keep their feet in the wake of the earthquake. However, you feel a pulsing energy radiate upward into the sky. The creature begins to writhe at the sensation of it and in reaction sends several more feeder tentacles down to grasp at your prone allies to feed them into their gnashing maws. You're watching EXPN. Welcome back, and Dirk, what the hells are you wearing? Ah, uh, duh. A suit and tie? We have a dress code here, Rust. No, I'm referring to those ludicrous adornments you're festooned in. Oh, no. I'm not festooned anymore, Rusty. I got a special shampoo. But look at all this cool merch I got from my favorite team, the Raptors Lament. Go, Raps! You got their merch? And how? I have the official Raptors hoodie, the unofficial Garngorabuck Mace Life hat, a bootleg Sovastala polytonal owl kazoo, and the almost certainly illegal Kyrian Moro inflatable foam snack quiver. Plus, I got Creed Orpheus Cockerel to sign this zesty pair of tasteful yet offensive novelty tiefling horns. I had to tell him it was for my dying nephew, but he made my wish come true anyway. Dirk, I think it's considered notably unprofessional to show such favoritism for a specific team while in a position such as ours, acting as neutral commentators and bringers of unbiased news. Yeah, well, maybe other teams shouldn't suck so much. Well, folks, if that merchandise isn't to your liking, maybe this word from our sponsors will clean your palate. Stay tuned for more action and adventure. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Hubert, and I'm a bugbear. It's safe to say I know a thing or two about thick fur. It was recently me and my husband's blood bonding ceremony anniversary, and I wanted to give him a gift that he would cherish. So I went to manscaped.com. I got him the performance package 4.0. It came with the Lawnmower 4.0. Their fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology with a 7,000 RPM motor and a 400K LED spotlight. Not to mention it's waterproof for in the shower. Perfect to get ready for hot, 
Bugbear Summer, and a Weed Whacker for nose hair removal. What also came with a bottle of toner and deodorant for your freshly trimmed regions. Not to mention some very cute anti-chafing boxers. Now he feels clean and confident all the time and smells great. Just between you and me, I ordered it so I could try it for myself. Take it from someone who knows about hair. Nothing will clean you up and leave you fresh like Manscaped. Use code LUQ for 20% off your purchase and free shipping by going to manscaped.com today. You'll love these products. Hey, LU cuties. Time for a prescription dose of mid-roll. We're well on our way into Season 2 of LUQ Battle Axes, and we're very excited for you to be with us on this new journey. If you've just joined us recently, don't forget you have 112 episodes of Season 1 to binge while you wait for new episodes of Season 2 to go live. If you're a fan of the fun EXPN stories about other teams, you could be part of that. Go to our Patreon to learn more about joining the Battle Axis and making a character to become part of the world. There are tons of other great D&D rewards waiting for you there, like maps, magic items, stat blocks, and character sheets. If you'd like to join one of the legendary teams on the Patreon, get mentioned in the mid-roll, you could hear your name join the following lists. Our legendary teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, and this week's featured team, the Ceaseless Horde, with Dave Mladenoff, Daniel Pickens-Jones, Patch Perryman, and Jeff Ammons. Just to make this episode a real-time capsule, I'd like our listeners to know that here in the Portland area, we're having a record hot summer, and the worst of it seems to be set for our next recording day. We'll be experimenting with having an AC in the studio while we record. It's designed to be pretty quiet, and we can noise gate most of it, but the next chapter may have some slightly different sounds. Just a heads up. If you want to send something to Slapdash, be it fan art, gaming stuff, or one foot by one foot wall hanging art for the studio, the P.O. Box is 230091 Tigered, Oregon 97281. We'd love to see what you send us, unless of course it's homemade food. And as always, word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. Sharing with your friends, coworkers, and shouting at your neighbors about the LUQ ensures that we can keep getting larger and making more projects in the future. Don't forget to visit theluq.com for new merch and news about Slapdash Studios, and of course, join the Discord. If you're waiting for some reason, don't. This is an amazing community, and everything about the show is monitored to avoid spoilers. And we have a very special mid-roll message from Robert. To Zandrius and Zelody, many congratulations on your matrimony. Wishing you a lifetime of togetherness, adventure, love, and happiness. A wonderful heartwarming message to a wonderful pair of LU cuties. We're so happy they're part of our community. If you'd like to get your own message on the mid-roll, contact admin at slapdashstudios.com for more information. And with these wonderful thoughts in mind, let's get you back to the action. From the makers of SexBot and Perform Hub comes a taste of something forbidden. We know what you're into. Your tastes are a little more demonic. Now all your favorite fiends and beasts of folklore can be found in one place. These bestial beauties won't hide from you. Glistening tusks, firm horns, revealing tiger pelts, long, turgid noses, These hairy hotties are the main attraction, and they're ready to go clubbing with clubs. Find all the foxy fiends, drop-dead demons, and yoked yokai in one place. Oni fans. The one and Oni. The thing in the sky is writhing in fury. A tentacle for every fallen ally descends from the sky, along with one of its great tentacles. A large and terrible thing. As it comes down, it splits in two, with two arms to grab, two arms to crush, two arms to kill. We begin again with Iavos. Iavos is going to feed his last spell slot of first level into the shaman's back to help boost the ritual that's banishing the sky god. But looking at the terrible image of this massive tentacle that's come down in the center of the battlefield over the dais. He sees it for a moment with its splitting branches as a willow tree in his mind, and he whispers to himself, Out past the well and barley fields, there is a twisting willow tree. Its shadows hide the standing stone. Upon is etched the number three. And using three points of the party's glory, 
he's going to recreate a first level spell to strike it using his spell secret with a necrotic ice knife. And I'm going to make it a charisma saving throw. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. A blight knife? Yeah. A blight oh, knife. Blight knife. So oh good. my God. Well, hold the phone. Mm-hmm. As you utter these words, you can hear and feel the pulsing chant of the league. Hundreds, thousands, maybe Ooh. millions of eyes crying out your name. And I'm going to give you two personal glory for that. So I'm only spending one party glory. Daddy, daddy, <laughs> grandpa, grandpa, grandpa. Grips, 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 grips. Yeah, his name okay. is... So 11 to hit. <laughs> okay. I, I that hits. <laughs> Thank they you have God. zero decks and no natural armor. <laughs> Just a burly. Um, so can I assume that necrotic is doubled against this creature? Yes, it is. So please make me a charisma saving throw DC 13. I think I can do that. It fails. <laughs> yeah, no. It got a three minus one. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good start. That's a good start. I, ah, foes. What is, oh, stupid Vos. shadow. It's a five. I, nice. Uh, so the knife strikes dealing 16 necrotic damage, and then it explodes into necrotic shrapnel dealing 20. <laughs> so all told, that's 36 necrotic damage? Yes. Right in the middle of this snaking tendril. Well, it had 51 hit points. It sends down this great and terrible tentacle, fully prepared to do you horrible damage. And as it does, it explodes, and you can hear the creature above roaring. That double necrotic helps damage a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. it does. Yeah. I rolled an eight and two fives, though, on a d10 and That's two d6. Pretty, pretty good. good. So yeah. good. Now I'm going to roll the death of this creature because the other tentacles have to decide whether they're going to keep holding or writhe back to protect the face. Ooh. That is a failure. That's three successes. Three of your allies begin to rise up into the sky, but the remaining tentacles drop their quarry and raise to protect the eye. Mm. We've got God on the ropes. (laughs) I feel good about saving that many people. (laughs) That's so good. At the end of that glorious turn, we have Gaspar's turn. Once again, Gaspar is going to use his move and cunning action to dash and climb one of these hinges to get up towards one of the tentacles that are flying to the sky with prey slash his friends. Mm -hmm. And he is going to grab on with his left hand and slice through with his right hand saber. Excellent. Bless. Oh, I am blessed. Roll it, baby. All right. Because of bless, that is a twelve to hit. Did you roll acrobatics? Ooh, if if you want me to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it is grappling somebody. Mm-hmm. All right. The acrobatics this time is a twenty total. Beautiful. Yeah, you are able to leap up and grab onto the tentacle, and immediately you wonder whether this was a good idea as you feel it rising higher and higher into the sky. Go ahead and roll me your attack with advantage. Ooh, thank you. All right, with advantage. Still rolling pretty low on my attacks here, but that is a 13 to hit. All right. That definitely hits. What's your damage? The bitter irony would would be if the fall kills the person. (laughs) How high are we up? 20. 20 feet? Okay. This is going to suck. It's not impossible. Okay. That is 10 points of damage this time. Excellent. At which point, Nepet is going to rematerialize again. Hmm. And like mid-air... And take his dagger and strike a nearby tentacle as well. All right. Sounds good. How much damage is that? MVP. Nepet is going to do 10 points of necrotic damage. (laughs) That's very good. Mm -hmm. You leap up with your saber and embed it into the creature. As you begin to slide the blade down the length of it, the muscles begin to relax, slowly letting down the quarry and dropping them and hang limp and dead in front of you. The spray of blood turns again to a crawling, desperate Nepet who darts through the air and fills another tentacle with necrotic energy. And instead of dropping its foe, it simply weakens, laying it down. It's wilting. That's two friends you've just saved. There is only one left. That is some damn good rogue support work. And that makes it Halifon Orson's turn. Okay. How's still raging? I think what Hal's going to do is just explode across the battlefield and launch himself at the stabber tentacle that's over there that's killed like two or three people already. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go try and take that thing out. 
Sounds good. Attack. Uh, 18 plus 4 plus a d4, so. That definitely hits. Yeah. They are not very defensive. Glaive. Glaive to glaive. 1d10. All right, that was a 1 on my d10, but I've got great weapon mastery fighting style, so I get to re-roll it, and I rolled a 9 that time. <laughs> That's Woo! very good. Which is a That's big a improvement. You definitely better. didn't need that much damage, but it's worth the flavor. Right, so it's 9 on the die, plus 2 for my strength, plus an additional 2 for raging for a total of 13 points of damage to this little tentacle. I like it. So as you run forward, you hurl your glaive into its body. You then fall on it with the full of your weight, cutting it down the middle. A common tactic, it seems, in this particular battle, but an effective one as the thing sprays blood Gouts pour all over you, and you land bloody and excited. Yeah. I and the one human ally that's over there both take one radiant damage. <laughs> Before the end of your turn, mm-hmm. Gaspar is going to shout towards you, Hal, you are only hurting other people with your radiance. Gaspar's words cut through, and you see like the beacon that is Hal. Just all of a sudden, that light just goes... And how standing there, still glowing, but no longer emitting light, and my mm. my radiant consumption ends. I like it. Good discipline, my friend. That brings us to the Greater Tentacle's turn. Nope. That brings us to Penny's turn. Penny is going to filter one more spell slot to her friend Skia. And then um, there's one more person that's scrappled, isn't there? There is. Penny is going to... Consider it for for just a moment, glance around looking for the highest point uh, that she can see on the ground, whether that's the rock or a person, and then she's going to head straight for whatever that is and try to high jump off of them to reach this tentacle. I like it. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Mirthful leaps. What would you like me to roll for that? Athletics? Or acrobatics, either way. Acrobatics? Okay. Sold. (laughs) I'll take it. That's an 18. That does it. Okay, so um, as she lands up on the tentacle, she's going to wrap one arm around this person so that they don't just fall. <laughs> and then she's she's going to try to open this tentacle up with her sword. Roll me that damage. Unless you have a spell that might do better. Nah, does, uh, does Bless go for hits? Heals. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for like vicious mockery or something and hope this <laughs> tentacle just drops him out of shame. <laughs> <laughs> as far as tentacle monsters go. <laughs> C plus. Your cups suck. <laughs> That's a dirty 25. Excellent. Yeah, that definitely hits. <laughs> Ooh, that's better. That's eight points. Nice. As you pierce the sword through the blood, you can hear a song, distant and beautiful. A song of blood and glory and battle. As you draw the blade up, you see it rise out of the flesh, gleaming bronze. If you spend a spell slot, you can do an extra 1d6 damage. I will do that. Mm. This is my last spell slot. Six? Mm-hmm. Hope you roll a three. That is another three. Yay! Which is exactly Ooh. enough. You cut free a portion of the flesh, which then hangs loose. Grabbing a hold of it, you then pull it in half, letting yourself down, Along with your ally. Peeling this god like a banana. <laughs> I want to continue uh, kind of cradling this person on my shield as we both come down in this action hero moment. Very Wonder like, Woman pose. <laughs> yeah, backlit by the, by the faint light from the sky. Very nice. As soon as you land, you can feel a burning, raging heat behind your eyes, in your head, in your heart. You feel faint and uncomfortable, almost sick as the nausea rise up in your throat. At that, you feel another pulse, another quake. As the spell's energy reaches a fever pitch, the sky of flesh begins to tremble and quake. You feel a snap as the ritual completes. There is no visual fanfare, no play of lights. This is earth magic. Invisible, patient, enduring. Instead, a pulse. A radiating vibration ripples through the plane and up into the sky. The great flaming eye widens. In pain, terror, the emotions of this creature are unknowable. As the energy reaches the flesh, blood begins to pour from gaping, toothy maws. The spray of mists become feeble and sanguine, 
and hundreds of all-too-human screams fill the air as the thing in the sky peels itself back from Kohesh. Rivers of blood flow onto the earth, flooding the valleys below. The eye closes. Darkness enshrouds you. The screams recede. A sudden flash as light cuts through the darkness and the sky illuminates. Yellow radiance spills over the earth for the first time in years as the sky blushes azure. A cry erupts from the mountaintop as Vries celebrate their victory. The thing in the sky is gone. Where did it go? Will it return? Was that the only one? You do not have answers to these questions. But for now, the people of Kohesh are free from the horror of what lay beyond the clouds. Holy hippogriffs! Team Gold Dragon has done it again! A triumphant success for the up-and-coming novice team going above and beyond in protecting their allies and defending against a beast beyond any of us. Grandpa Doomknife really dropped the mic with that stab spell. Yes, discovering and exploiting the creature's weakness while the team valiantly prevented the participants of the ritual from becoming sky-born appetizers shows clever strategy and rock-solid teamwork. Why is it you always see teams like this punching so high above their weight class? Sooner or later, there's always going to be some kind of demigod or ancient eagle or colossal worm what happened to goblins, sharp sticks, and oversized rats in bar cellars? Well, Dirk, some would consider it the divine right of mortals to challenge the power of the gods, to push back against the unseen tethers that hold the universe together, to carve your own path, to take back the power that they feed on by denying their ambitions. Truly, it is a noble endeavor to see the rat leap high and strike the serpent's throat with yellowed fangs, to embrace our own temporary existence in defiance of the divine, and find courage in the face of foes of near-infinite might. Truly the calling of all who wish to truly live. Jeez, Rusty, they paying you by the word now? Why don't you write a book about it? I have, Dirk. Several. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're real page-turners. I leave that up to philosophers and critics. And, uh, speaking of turning the page, let's slam the book bottom side up as we put this chapter to bed in the tale of Team Gold Dragon. Who knows what's next for this group of deadly weirdos? Not me. Do you know, Rusty? Uh, do you know what's next for Team Gold Dragon? I-, I didn't get the memo. No, Dirk, I don't know. You'll just have to tune in next time to find out. Oh, that's easy. I'll be here anyway. I work here. That's debatable. did the thing. Hal didn't have to spend his spell slots. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I was waiting for that to happen. Like, everybody's out of spell slots and she's like, we have to get Hal out of his rage so he can donate a spell slot. I wasn't sure if you had spell slots. I was expecting you to do the last one on this and I was like, whatever, I'll just I'll just let yeah. it go on. That was fun! Yeah, <laughs> that was real good. Quest 2, God Killed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> novice ranked. Yeah. Come on. It was a novice ranked God. It was just yeah. a sky oh. God. It, it, it had no followers. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's more of a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Who do? I think it's Dana. Yeah. I, think, I think Dana do. That's All a- right. Well, I have a lot of really good stuff to say, but first, let's hear who our cast is. I'm Michael Loving. I play Halifon Orison Jr., the Asimar Paladin and Barbarian, mm. who used a Barbarian ability this game for the first time. Yeah, you did. Angui. I am Angelo Kaluag. I am playing Gaspar, the level three headless rogue, who is a phantom subclass. And yeah, meet my new underling, Nepet. <laughs> your flying blood knife. <laughs> for, for the record, I don't. You're, you're technically your race isn't headless, but that's what you are, right? Like we have a name, but we're not saying it, or is that? No, we're. I think we're we're going just with just headless. That's it, the name it's of the race. Straight to the point. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no need to go too fancy with right. it. Right. I think headless can be any race, but headless is headless as far as mechanics go. Mm-hmm. Seems fair. <laughs> I'm Dana Ebert. I play Penelope Farthing, the level one bard, level two Phalok. Yay. I'm Law. I play Avos Isadora, the human. <laughs> um, <laughs> Weirdo. Boring. Yeah. Witness of the Withering Acre and 
Me Law, also creative director of Slapdash. I'm Zach Barkas. I am the DM for this lovely little season. I am also the producer and technical director for Slapdash Studios. I'd like to thank Bree Golden from Golden Stylus for supplying this lovely map that we use for this fight, even though we didn't use any other maps because I didn't have any. I would Not also her like- fault. I would also like to thank Hedegar the Edgar for his fantastic egg-a-dig-egg-a-digging. I climbed all over this map. Yeah. yeah this, <laughs> just, map, this map got some got some work. Covered some distance. Okay. Well, next, of course, is the MVP and the play of the game. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Holy crap. Uh, MVP blood knife ghost? Th- the blight knife. Y- y- oh, sorry. Ooh, I would got, say blight knife, knife, no question. Blight, blight knife definitely play, plays a game the game for sure. Oh, yeah. oh. For, for MVP, I'm thinking knife ghost. Knife ghost? Uh, Nepit? Nepit did a <laughs> right. bunch well, of damage. He did yeah. like 20, <laughs> 20 21 points of damage like, total. Angelo double charactering over here <laughs> just screwed the action economy in so many good ways. Very good stuff. Yeah, I do think Nepit wins. Uh, Fine, wins he deserves MVP. it. Yeah. And uh, obviously blight knife has to win fucking play of the game. Oh, it yeah. worked out pretty yes. good. Blight knife. It saved everybody. Yeah, everybody that it could. Yeah, yeah. one turn uh, acing the fucking boss was a was a big move. I mean, the new ability to change my element is exact. It's everything I ever wanted. There you go. <laughs> well, make sure you go to social media and use hashtag blightknife. The other hashtag that you might want to use is hashtag every fucking Monday. Hell yeah! Because that's when our episodes come out. We also live stream those episodes every Monday at seven p.m. Pacific. And you should also maybe check out our Discord because it is such a good community. I love them so much. I hang out there every day. If you come, I will say hi to you. I promise. <laughs> yeah, we're mostly pretty active on there, really. I'm bad yeah. about saying hi to people, but I am there. Yeah, I'm really glad everybody's like participates and, and plays a role in the whole thing. Right. And if that's not enough for you, you can head over to the LUQ.com where you can find all the uh, links to all the cast bios and what we're working on. You can find links to all the social media, the merchandise, all that good stuff. So, we'll be back next week. You can bat your axe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, until next time, we wish you luck. 